morning everyone. Welcome to the High Kit this morning. If you're visiting us for the first time, welcome. I hope you'll feel blessed being here. And we also welcome those who are listening from home and that you will be blessed also. A few intimations this morning. Uh, firstly, uh, a sad one. Uh, one of our members, Ellen McLaughlin, sadly passed away this week. Um, and you'll notice that the band is, well, there's no band. Ian's over there. The band has been halved, unfortunately. Margaret's not well. She's got a bad cold, so hopefully she'll be back next week with us. Uh, I think. But is everything so? Over to you. <laughs> well, can I just say it is lovely just to be able to come into the presence of God and to worship the Lord Jesus. There's nothing like it. And I often say that, but I can tell you that there's nothing like it. When the presence of God comes and Christ is exalted and we look to him, boy, there's just, this peace comes. A calmness comes of spirit. And there's a joy that comes in the Lord. And that's why it's, it's great being, I'm sorry for those who maybe aren't Presbyterian originally, but in the Presbyterian Church, we do have a wonderful catechism and we're told that the chief end of man, the whole purpose of our living is to, in, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And that's the part I like, that we're allowed to enjoy God. And I just pray that this morning you will know a real joy in the Lord as he touches your lives and as he opens your hearts, just let the Spirit move this morning. And it may be that there are some of you who are just anxious about the future, or maybe you're carrying regrets about the past, or maybe you're facing personal circumstances right now that you feel overwhelmed. Well, can I encourage you, wherever you are, that you would just look up and invite the Lord just to come and let his Spirit move upon you, and that Jesus will become that much more sweeter to you as we worship this morning. Well, I love Psalm 9. There in verse 9 to 11, the Lord will be a hiding place for those who are oppressed, and he will be a strong defense for those who are distressed. All those who know your name, O Lord, in you their trust will place, for you do not abandon those who seek your gracious face. Sing praises to the Lord, who sits in Zion on his throne. Among the nations of the world, proclaim what he has done. Well, let's do that. As we worship the Lord together, we're going to sing in our opening hymn, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound.
together. Let's unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. O oh, our gracious and eternal triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in your presence is an eternity of wonderful love, joy, peace, and rest. And so this morning, oh, we do desire to enter your heavenly gates and the eternal courts of your presence. For Lord, we have hearts this morning that carry such thanksgiving and praise. And so we do rejoice in your goodness. And we marvel at your steadfast love, which endures forever. And so, Lord, we delight in your faithfulness. As the hymn writer expressed, Oh, for great is thy faithfulness. And so, Lord, we acknowledge you as the one true and living God, the high and lofty one, as Isaiah shares, who inhabits eternity. Yet, Lord, you are the one who gave your only begotten Son, who created us, who lived, died, and rose for us, who ascended on high, and now, Lord, he prays for us. And so, Lord Jesus, we do thank you this morning. Oh, how you pray for us. You know us so well. Nothing surprises you, and nothing takes you by surprise. Lord, you know our beginning and our end, and therefore, Lord, we can trust you. And Lord, all the prayers that we carry this morning, Lord, what a wonderful encouragement that even better, that you pray for us. Lord Jesus, you are our heavenly temple. And so we can enter your presence with boldness and confidence. Lord, yet in our weakness, we feel weak and unworthy. Therefore, Lord, will you carry us into your chambers where we may experience the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus, and the fellowship and the power of the Holy Spirit. O oh Lord, in the fountain of life, may we experience streams of mercy. And so, Lord, as we join our hearts in prayer together, and as we join our hearts in praise, Lord, we ask that you, would that you would inhabit the praises of your people. And so, Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for sweet forgiveness. Thank you for your amazing grace. And Lord, thank you that we can unite in prayer as we now share in the Lord's Prayer, praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we're going to take our Bible reading in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians there in chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to read the first 11 verses. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants, through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace, of, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. And may the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. Beautiful words. Well, can we turn to the word of God as we consider Paul's letter here in chapter 3, his first letter to the church there in Corinth. For those who have been, uh, maybe who are new to us, who we just want to say, oh, it's just, a, it's a joy having you with us. Isn't it lovely that the Lord promised almost 2,000 years ago that people would gather one day from the north, from the south, from the east, and from the west. There would be people who would come all the way from the island of Skye. People would come from the deepest south of England, maybe, or South Africa, or from the furthest west. We've got Courtney from, from America today, and others from the east. And the Lord said, one day you will gather together. And you will worship me. And you know, as the Lord gave that wonderful promise, isn't it lovely that today we're seeing the scriptures fulfilled? The Lord has gathered us here to worship him. And this has been on the heart of, as we shared last Sunday in our series, as we began our series on growing in grace. What is it to grow in grace? The Apostle Peter reminds us that to grow in grace is to know an increase in love, to know an increase of faith, and to know an increase of the knowledge of God. Now, Peter wasn't just referring to a knowledge of God as in knowing about God. Peter is straight to the point. 
is to grow in a knowledge of God is to grow in a relationship of knowing the Lord. It's a relationship. It's not growing in a religion or knowing all your doctrines inside out. As we shared last Sunday, to grow in grace, it's not growing in being a, even a better Christian. It's not growing in your doctrines or your Bible understanding. It's growing in a relationship with Christ himself. And so that's Peter. For Peter, growing in grace was so crucial to the Christian life. And to the Apostle Paul, they share hearts on this. Paul's the same. Paul is so concerned for the early church that they grow in grace. Notice Paul's concern. He's been in this church for a year and a half, 18 months. And he loves this people. Many had come to know the Lord and now the church is established. And as Paul then moves on, I'm sure Paul must have been so encouraged as he left Corinth, knowing they were in good hands. They were trusting in the Lord. They were growing in grace. But then Paul heard word that they had stopped growing. <laughs> they had stopped growing spiritually. Now you might look at the church at Corinth and think, Paul, what do you mean? Look at them. They are on fire. They've got, all, they've got the gifts of the Spirit. And they're growing in the gifts. And oh, they look amazing. Amazing church. What do you mean they're, they're not growing? And maybe if we had gone to Corinth after Paul had left, we would think, wow, this is a growing church. And it may well have been growing numerically. But Paul came to hear that, although yes, they may have been growing numerically, and maybe even in their excitement and in the gifts and all that was happening, but they weren't growing spiritually. Yes, they had the gifts of the Spirit. They had known graces of the Spirit. But they weren't walking in the Spirit. They weren't walking. They somehow ended up in a rut. And then we notice Paul's got some criticism of them too. They began to squabble amongst one another. They were divided. They were arguing over who was the better preacher. I don't think we have that complaint here, do we? <laughs> I nervously laugh. Oh. But they were all divided. And I have, the reason I say that is because I remember as a young Christian there on the island of Skye, when it came to communions, we used to go around visiting all these other communions in different churches, and they had guest speakers. They didn't have their normal minister, but they had a guest speaker. And oh, you got to hear all these guest speakers who would come from all over Scotland. Some came from America, some came from England and Ireland and Wales. And eventually, over the years, I, I began to form my top ten list of greatest preachers. And see, when I heard that there was a certain preacher coming to the communions and they were at the bottom of my list, I would go, oh, no. <laughs> and so I can see what Paul is getting at here. Some people were thinking that Apollos was the great preacher. 
Remember, Corinth was a place of great eloquence. They were proud of their history, that they had great orators coming out of Corinth. And so, of course, it meant a lot to them if they had a great communicator in the place, a good preacher. But they were divided. They were falling out with one another, and they were forming cliques. They had their own wee groups, and if you weren't part of this certain group, or sometimes you weren't even welcomed into a certain group. And Paul, so disheartened. So he comes now with some criticism. He said, Do you know, I desired to come and feed you with solid meat. I wanted to come and give you solid meat of the Word of God. But I've come to realize that I can only come and give you milk. You're infants spiritually. You can only feed on milk. And here's Paul as he writes to the church at Corinth. He's not just explaining how to grow in grace. Paul's actually stronger than that. He's basically saying to them, grow up, (laughs) grow up. And that's a word not just to ourselves, but it's especially a word to me. Even preachers need to grow up. (laughs) I need to grow up. And sometimes I need to come under the word of God like that to hear Paul reminding me, Scott, grow up. And so this is Paul now writing, yes, how to grow in grace. And as Paul comes and he writes, come on, but let's grow up together. And as Paul writes this lovely chapter, I love chapter three. Instead of just explaining what it is to grow in grace, he goes in a, in a different tack. He explains what it is to be spiritual infants. And when we realize what a spiritual infant is, then Paul says, therefore, this is where we grow from. We must grow up from this. And so Paul now asks the question, or I'm going to ask the question, so what is a spiritual infant? What's a spiritual baby? And Paul goes on now to open up this wonderful teaching where Paul wants to argue that a spiritual infant, first of all, notice, is concerned with themselves rather than with service. Rather than serving others, spiritual infants are more concerned about themselves. When a heart comes to know Christ, when we know salvation, when we've known the grace of God, when we've known Jesus, come and open our hearts where the Spirit of God changes us. When we come to know Christ as our Savior and Lord, do you know the angels in heaven rejoice? And not just the angels in heaven The Lord rejoices over those who put their trust in him. All who turn in repentance. That's the great heart of Christ, is that we would all come to know repentance, that we would turn to him. And even the the angels rejoice when we do come to Christ. And the church celebrates too. When we hear of people coming to know Christ personally, 
when they've come to know saving grace in their lives, boy, the church rejoices too. And so, yes, there's a season where young Christians get the clap like that, they get a good cheer. They're encouraged, they're pampered. Remember, you know, when, when, when we see a baby being born, boy, you want to hold it, don't you, all the time. You want to, in fact, if there's people coming to visit you, they want to hold the baby too. Oh, can I have a go? <laughs> and everyone wants to hold this child. And you know, babies need attention and pampering at that stage when they're so small. They need someone to hold them. They need someone to put their arms around them and just to hold them tight, to keep them safe. They need to be pampered. They need to be fed all the time. They need to be changed all the time. But you know, a time comes when babies grow. A baby must grow. As one commentator wrote, an infant is upset over the smallest things. Some Christians have to be handled with kid gloves. They wear their feelings on their sleeves. They're like bombs, always ready to explode. <laughs> Have we met Christians like that? At church, they're extra nice, but at home, explosive. At church, she's ideal, but at home, impossible. At church, he's always praising, but at home, he's always pouting. At church, he's Mr. Good, but at home, he's Mr. Grouch. At church, She's an example, but at home, she's exasperating. As Paul says, spiritual infants, they always seem to need pampering. When they should be growing up, they, they need all the attention on them. The world and the church revolves around them and their wants. Infants often struggle with sharing and giving. But boy, do they know how to receive. <laughs> You'll see maybe some small children at nurseries or soft plays. And boy, they'll grab a toy and then the parent has to come over. Oh, now, come on, share it with so-and-so. And then it's, no way. It's mine. <laughs> now, babies and infants are meant to be like that. But see, as they grow up, they have to learn, don't they, to share. They have to learn to be able to give to others. And that it's not all about them and my, 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 and mine, mine, mine. Paul writes here to the church and he says, some of you, should be mature in Christ. You should be growing in grace. You're grown-ups. But he said, but many of you are spiritual infants. You're more concerned maybe about yourselves than serving. And notice also Paul goes on to say, and the spiritual infant is also concerned more with talking 
than walking. Instead of walking the faith, spiritual infants tend to talk the faith. Each year I make sure to try and read one, in fact, it's one of my favourite books, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And each year I try and read this book, and every time I read it, I get more encouraged. But in saying that, sometimes I get more discouraged, because often you look at all these characters in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, and you come away convinced that you're, you're pliable, or you're obstinate, or you're whoever else. All these different characters appear and you think, oh, I'm like that too. Oh, I'm like that. Oh, I'm like him. And oh, dear. You know, there was one character, Pliable, at the very beginning of Pilgrim's journey. He decides to, to go with Krishna. And then he falls into the slough of despond. And he almost sinks, but he eventually gets out. And you know what drew him to go with Krishna? It was just hearing about all the good things of heaven. To hear about the crowns that you would get. He didn't want to read the Bible for himself, but he liked to hear about all the rewards that you would get if you went to heaven. And so Pliable, he was also, he he talked a lot. (laughs) And he would always want to hear the good bits. And eventually when he went down, When he began to sink, he went back. If this is what the journey is going to be about, I'm not going. And he left. And Krishna now continues. And then Krishna goes on to meet Talkative. And that character Talkative really describes who Paul is describing. Oh, they can talk the faith. But boy, they don't know much about walking the faith. Paul tells us that the infant, the nature of the infant is obvious, he said. They love talking about the faith, but they'll be envying as well and there'll be strife. They'll cause divisions. There'll be immaturity and sexual immorality. But oh, they'll still talk about the faith. When Paul wrote to the Philippians, he said, conduct yourselves in a worthy manner. Walk worthy. It's not about the talk. Paul goes on later on to say, the gospel, it's not all talk. It's not words only. It's, it, the gospel comes in power. It's not all talk. As Paul wrote to the Colossians, he said, take off the old self, take off the old man and his practices and these old habits, sinful habits, put them off. As we shared last Sunday morning, Paul also said, you're to walk, increase in love, increase in faith. Walk worthy of your high calling. Your love and faith, Paul says to the Thessalonians, should be growing. So the Christian ought to be growing. It's important that the church is growing in grace. And so this is why Paul is so concerned. Have you ever seen... We infants fighting one another. 
this often <laughs> you wouldn't see any fists or feet <coughs> flying around not normally anyway but you will hear the words possibly I'm telling on you that's the infant I'm telling yes they talk the gospel we can talk the faith but the question Paul wants to ask Corinth and ourselves are we walking the faith are we walking in the love of Christ are we walking in faith are we keeping in step with the Holy Spirit or are we more like infants and toddlers I'm going to do it my way the Lord has to follow me I'm going to go and do this and the Lord better come with me and bless me as I do it It's as, as a friend used to tell me, Scott, it's easier to point the finger than to move your feet. <laughs> you know, it's easy, easier to grumble than to go out with the gospel. And you know, we can moan and groan about people. We can moan and groan about leaders. We can moan and groan about churches. But the question has to come back. But what are we doing? What are we doing with the gospel? What are we doing with Jesus? I remember Cliff Richard in one of his books, I can't remember which book it was, but he talks of when he went to, I think it was Guilford Baptist Church, and he said he really struggled with the preacher. And he said every Sunday he would go and he would have something to complain about the preacher. And so Cliff Richard, the great singer, came back one Sunday and he, and he went to prayer and he said, Lord, I didn't get much out of that today. And he felt, he said he wasn't sure if it was the Lord, but he felt the Lord just saying, well, I'm not getting much out of you either. <laughs> what are you doing for the Lord? And you know, Cliff Richard was so challenged. Yes, he had a lot of complaints and moans and groans about what others weren't doing. But you know, the challenge came. But what am I doing with the Lord? What am I doing with the gospel? And so Paul, yes, tells us that spiritual infants, yes, they're concerned more with themselves than serving. They're concerned more with talking the faith rather than walking the faith. And Paul goes on now to share that spiritual infants Look to people rather than to the Lord. As he writes, he says, some of you are saying, oh, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul. The infant's world tends to be mum and dad and the siblings. And if mum and dad don't respond, oh, there's temper tantrums. The tears will flow if mum or dad's not there. The infant, yes, looks to human resources. They look to their parents. Remember the Hebrew writer tells us, yes, we're to learn from that great cloud of witnesses. Yes, remember the great heroes of the faith. Remember Abraham. Remember Isaac and Jacob and Moses. Remember Sarah. 
Remember Gideon. Remember all these great heroes. We learn. We can learn from them. Yes, there's a great cloud of witnesses that we can be encouraged by. But you know, the Hebrew writer doesn't tell the congregation to fix their eyes on their heroes. He doesn't say, fix your eyes on Abraham. Be an Abraham. Be a David. Be a Gideon. Oh, that you would also be a a great man or woman of faith, strong in valor. Oh, be a Gideon. No, the Hebrew writer goes on and he said, yes, we've got a wonderful cloud of witnesses. We've got some great encouragement to help us to keep going, to keep walking the faith. But he said, but whatever you do, fix your eyes upon Jesus. Don't fix your eyes on others, not even your heroes of the faith. Don't fix your eyes on them. They've got warts and all. But you fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author, and hallelujah, he's the finisher of your faith. That work which he has begun in you, he will complete it. And therefore, if you want to grow in grace, in love, if you want to grow in Christ, if you want to mature in Christ, then you must fix your eyes upon Jesus. You must look to the Master. Not to other Christians. Not even your minister. Oh, don't fix your eyes on your minister and say, oh, I wish I was more like Scott. No, you don't. (laughs) Oh, Scott seems so nice and quiet and oh, he he wouldn't punch anyone. (laughs) Oh, we're to fix our eyes upon Jesus. He's the altogether lovely one. You know when Peter, James and John were up there on the mountaintop with Jesus. You know, they were so caught up when they saw Elijah and Moses. Oh, Peter wanted to build a tabernacle because he wanted to keep this, this experience that he was having. And I'm sure Peter and James and John must have been so excited to see Elijah and Moses. They must have been, oh Lord, we can't believe it. Our heroes, can we stay here forever? Let's build tabernacles. We'll never go down this hill again. But you know, they had to go down. They were to go down into the valley. They were going to go into a very dark valley. But you know, I love the grace of God. How there on that mountaintop, the Father shouts from heaven, Behold my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Oh, fix your eyes on him. Behold him, James, Peter, John. It's better to go down the mountain into a deep valley with Jesus than Moses or Elijah. Go with Jesus. If you go with Christ, if you walk with him, you will grow in grace. You know, you get great views from the mountaintop, but the fruit grows in the valley. And in the Christian life, it's the same. Yes, when we experience the mountaintop experiences, it's lovely and we want this feeling not to go away. But you know, the Lord often calls us into the valleys, through the storms and the trials. But what a wonderful encouragement 
that the Lord has promised to go with us. And so Paul tells us, yes, spiritual infants will look to people rather than looking to Christ. And so we're encouraged. Yes, Apollos, he plants. Paul waters. But only God can cause growth. It's God. It's the Lord himself that causes the Christian to grow. It's not Apollos or Paul or the greatest preachers or even our greatest heroes. God gives the increase. And today we're encouraged to look up, to look to him. Fix your eyes upon the Lord. Keep your eyes on the master and walk with him. Walk with him. Trust him. As Paul looks to the Lord Jesus, I love how Paul reminds the church as well. He said, see when you're walking with the Lord, you're walking in light of eternity. Paul's not just saying, stop all the talking, do more walking. Look to Jesus, abide in Christ, and you'll see the fruit grow. Paul's not just giving us a wee pet talk. Paul wants us to remember that we should walk, we should grow, we should serve in light of his coming. There's a goal to all this. Why should we grow in grace? Because the Lord is coming again. And this is the driving force of Paul. The Holy Spirit has caught a hold of the heart of Paul and he knows that Jesus is coming back one day. Therefore, all that we do, all that we say, all that we serve matters for eternity. It has eternal value. And so Paul reminds us, therefore, grow up. Grow in grace because he's coming. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. And when Jesus comes, oh, may we be ready for his coming. And so this morning, is it your heart, Lord? I feel like a spiritual infant. I feel like a babe in Christ. Is that how you feel this morning? Then why don't you join me <laughs> and just pray, Lord, I want to grow in grace. I want to grow in love. I want to mature in Christ. Lord, I really want to walk with you. Will you fill me? Will you empower me? Will you help me to abide in you that I may see fruit growing in my life? Lord, I want to grow. Is that your prayer? Then as Billy is going to come up and lead us in our intercessory prayers. I want us just to have a quiet moment together as we pray. And go off yourself with the Lord. Have a quiet prayer. And whatever the Lord lays in your heart, you just seek him and pray. And then Billy will come and just lead us in our intercessory prayers. Let's pray. Father, as we're bowed in your presence, we bring before you the things that would hold us back. The things that we do, the things that we say, that would stop us from 
serving you, stop us from growing. And Lord, as we hand these things over to you, we will be able to say, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Saviour has ransomed me. And like a flood, his mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. We thank you for your amazing grace, your amazing love. Lord, that you love us unconditionally. Lord, we thank you that you do not rely on us, but that we rely on you. And we just pray, Lord, as we are bowed in your presence, that you will just touch every head bowed, Lord. That you will fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And empower us to be the people that you would want us to be. Lord, we pray for the meetings that are going on this week and we, we pray a blessing upon the Kirk Session meeting on Tuesday, Lord. Lord, that you will guide us as we discuss the affairs of the church and what we should do, Lord. We pray too, Lord, for the organisations that are starting up in the coming weeks, Lord. That you will bless the leaders, Lord, as they prepare to serve you in this their ministry, Lord. Lord, we ask you to bless David as he leads a discipleship group, Lord. And Lord, that you will just work in the hearts of those who attend. Lord, we pray for those in our fellowship who are having a difficult time just now, Lord. We pray for those who are bereaved, those who are lonely, those who are sick. Lord, we just pray that you will bless each one of them. You will comfort them, Lord, and you put your arms around them and let them know that, that you care and that we as a church, that we care. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that you've given us this morning to bring our tithes and our offerings, Lord. We ask you to take them and use them for the extension of your kingdom. And Lord, as we prepare to go for lunch, Lord, we, we just pray a blessing for all those who will attend, Lord. Whether they're from the High Kirk, from Livingston, or from our dear Lord, that you will just unite us together in your name. And Lord, we take this opportunity to ask you to bless the food that will be served to us, Lord. We thank you for those who have prepared it, Lord. And we just pray, pray, Lord, that you will be with us as we meet. We ask all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're now going to sing in our closing hymn. And again, it's lovely to be able to pick some of my own favourite hymns. Again, this is one of John Newton's uh, lovely hymns. It's, it's actually one of his tes it's a testimony uh, to his own situation when, when he penned these words. I asked the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace. And so let's stand as we sing this beautiful hymn.
so may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and the power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. Thank you.